Good morning, everyone. <laughs> they see right through that, I'm sure. Okay, so um, we're not doing bad on time. We're not doing bad on time at all. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about something today that relates to absolutely everybody in here. Um, every single one of us. In the past, some of us, and, or in the future. I've been studying Moses for a couple weeks. There's a book by, uh, well, I'll get into that. But, um, and something became very obvious to me, and it got my wheels turning. Y'all know the story, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap. So Moses, uh, you know, Pharaoh's daughter found him, right? He, she, she, imagine that scene, but anyway, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. The, 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 the Bible says that he was like a beautiful little baby, what it connotes essentially. He grows. Then he considers the Hebrews, and, and he has compassion on them because they're in slavery, of course. You know that he sees an Egyptian whipping a Hebrew. Moses strikes out, and he actually kills the Hebrew, buries him, or excuse me, he kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. Everybody finds out, and Moses flees. But we, what we may not know from that story is where I got the idea for this message today or feel impressed upon. It's in the New Testament. Brian, can we get our first slide today, please? In the book of Acts, we find out more about Moses. We, we see this. When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian when he heard that they were after him, okay? Where he settled as a foreigner and he had two kids. And after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. So that's what we find out, right? 40 years, 40 years in this place called Midian. And if you've ever seen Midian, Midian's just rocks and desert and awful. It's hot, it's dry, it's not a cool place to be. But do you know that it was 40 years? 40 years, you guys. And between when he kills the Egyptian in the burning bush is 40 years of t tending someone else's sheep. Now, I've touched on this before with different, uh, with different people, but it brings me to a huge conclusion that I want to talk to today. Our lives consist of seasons as ordained by God. This is very important. To everything, there is a season. Your life is a season. And it's, uh, oh, I so badly wish that in the past I understood this, especially as a younger man. Like, I'm going to focus on one specific season, but if only I understood that there are seasons in life. There are seasons of, seasons of singleness, seasons of marriage, seasons of parenting, seasons of... It's just a season. It's just a season. And we so lose touch of that, you guys. But one thing we must know as we see our brothers and sisters in the Bible, that one of the seasons, and this is what we're going to talk about today, one of the seasons that is ordained for our lives is a season called the desert. And the more I looked at this, guys, the more I realized that all of his children, all of his children, in order to be used and to step into their destiny, the road for following Christ Jesus, not just to being a believer, this is actually where the road divides, Bruce. I believe, well, even the demons believe and, have tr and tremble, right? The difference between a believer and a follower's, the follower's road always leads through the desert. And this is going to be a very unpopular message today. It's going to be a, a message where if I would have heard this at 20 years old, I would have gone, not true, not true, not true. But I wouldn't have understood it. So, so, so it does appear that the road to destiny runs right through the desert. And we all have to go through it. Well, I don't like that, AJ. Neither do I, necessarily. But let's look at it and see, because actually what we're going to realize is he's still a good, good father. And everything he ordains for our lives, even if it seems hard and deserty, is good. Because he is good. I want to see, I want you to challenge yourself today as I give this message, and you're listening online too. Um, as we deal with this hard stuff, just decide in your heart, decide in your heart what you're going to do through this. Okay, so step one, follow me here as I make the case that our faith journeys lead through the desert. Stick with me because if we truly look at this topic, it's not 
you know, it's tough, but we're going we're gonna to be all right here. So by now you've guessed I'm not talking about a real desert, obviously. I'm talking about a season in our lives that's difficult, <clears throat> that goes on way, way, way longer than we wanted it to. It's trying, right? But first I want to show you what I mean by we all walk it. I'm going to show you real quick. Let's burn through these. Here is a guy named Joseph. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks. Next slide. Two full years pass, and he's in prison. So next slide. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh. I'm just giving you quick math. He was 17 when he told on his brothers, and they threw him in a well. He was 30 when he took, took the title of Zephaneth Paneah and became second in command. That's 13 years, people, of desert living. Potiphar's house, prison for at least two years, 13 years of desert. Next guy. Or do we even have one? No, I might even be reading this, right? All right, let me see. I think I'm reading this. How about David, guys? David had been anointed king by the prophet Samuel 15 years before he took the throne in Judah, which was the southern part of the kingdom, and 22 years before he reigned as king over Israel. That's a long time to wait, right, guys? And Dustin, what was he doing? He comes to him. Sorry, I'm just calling out random people. I, I love you all. This is, get used to that. <laughs> um, so here's what happens. David, who is, of course, forgotten by his father, that's a whole other message. Listen to that one. Um, he gets anointed. You're going to be king, bro. You got this great, amazing destiny. It's going to be awesome. See you. Well, what do I do now? Go back to tending your father's sheep. Go back to being your, your father's least favorite son, the one he forgot about. Go back to being this illegitimate person and go in the desert. And I'm going to give you an extra point here. The desert is where he learned, but when a lion came, I snatched it and I killed it. When a bear came, so now Goliath, no problem. Right? He had a desert, didn't he? A long period of time. Now, let me ask you something. There's only two examples. Do you think they would have changed these circumstances? Of course they would have, just like we would, right? Let's keep going. After Paul was baptized in Damascus, the apostle Paul, he began to powerfully preach Christ that he was the son of God in Acts 9, 20, and 22. But death threats from Jews living in the city who rejected his message drove Paul to flee to Arabia. Did you know that? During his three years of exile in Arabia, he was personally taught by Jesus Christ. Paul was personally taught by the resurrected Jesus Christ for three years. But he was in exile in Arabia. So he also had himself a desert, didn't he? Now the main one, the author and perfecter of our faith, was 30 years old before he did anything for ministry. Use your brains, people. We see him at 12 years old teaching, don't we, in the temple. Could he not have stepped forward at 18? Yes. 20? Yeah. 22? <laughs> but he endured a desert. Or actually, he endured a real desert for 40 days and 40 nights, did he not? I actually have that slide, I believe, Bri. And the Spirit of the God, Spirit of God led Jesus out into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. 40 days and 40 nights. So he had a literal desert as well. The road of following Christ Jesus, do not be surprised if you look around and you find it hot and uncomfortable and, and long and in desert. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you're shocked by it, the enemy's going to have a playground field day with you. He's going to tell you you've been abandoned. You're going to tell blah, 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 blah. No, this is part of the journey. And that's why I'm sitting there writing this message and I'm going, I don't like this very much. But God's going, I don't want my kids to be waylaid because the enemy's going to tell them I've left them when they end up in a desert. You tell them that I put them there for a reason and I've not left them ever, never, never, no matter how hard it looks. Now these deserts can be, these can be hard, guys. Very hard to keep going. Sometimes in the desert, it's almost impossible to keep hope, to understand what's happening. Almost impossible to keep faith that God is working. But I use the word in there, and it's almost. It is possible. 
Again, this is a message I wouldn't have received, but that was foolish because it's very helpful and loving. So every desert we look, it goes through different. Every desert we go through looks different. We saw Joseph's, David's, Paul's, and even Jesus, that was theirs. But some of the ones we walk through can be less dramatic or even less spectacular. Kind of like one of the deserts you can be walking through is a job that you just can't stand. A job, not a career. Well, Lord, when are you going to bring, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm serving this and, and my boss is an idiot and all, and all this sort of stuff, right? Knowing you've got to stay in that job to make ends meet. That can be a desert. I've seen deserts of long-term unemployment where you try and try and try and you just can't seem to get work. That's, that's a hard thing. How about um, being single, praying and praying that God will bring you somebody, but nobody seems to be coming along? Believing day after day. How about losing the one you love? They decide to walk out, to blow up the relationship, to break their vow. That might be a desert you walk into. Or, in, in, in my position, losing a lot of family members I love. Losing them to the other side. I mean, they die. That's a desert. Mourning and grief is a, is a hard desert, man. How about this? Caring for an ailing parent. That can be a real long desert. Walking through a sickness with a family member or sickness in your own body. That can be a desert season. How about trying to start a family? trying to reconcile with family, whatever. But we find ourselves in the desert. That's why it's important to look at the desert. And, and guys, I tell you, I was an immature little, insert superlative there. I didn't want to, I didn't, not me, God, Bruce, not me. I'm not going to go through any deserts. And then when I got there, it just destroyed me. So that's what God wants to do here today, guys. Whether you're in one now, whether you have been, or whether you will go through a desert season, please hear what God is saying today so you don't needlessly suffer and believe lies. Here we go. Here comes the message. These desert seasons are not mistakes, guys. They're not mistakes. They're not simply consequences of actions. Oh, you can jack your life up. Absolutely do that on your own. Make bad decisions, you might end up your own little butt in a, in a desert season. It's true. I've said this before. You're loved and adopted by God through faith in Christ Jesus, but don't get hooked on some sort of drug because you'll be loved and adopted by God but hooked on drugs. Don't confuse the two. Don't break into people's homes because you'll be in jail but loved by God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are natural repercussions, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's actually not what I'm talking about. Like, oh man. Okay, you get what I'm trying to say? The desert seasons are not just mistakes or simply consequences. They are when a season in our life where God purposefully allows us to remain in a place longer than we want. And while every season is er, dif desert is different, they share things in common. Now this is where we're going to inspect it, okay? They share things in common. I'm going uh, to give Chuck Swindoll some, comment, some, uh, some accolades here because he calls it God's Wilderness University. And there are four majors at this university. Number one, the desert will give you the major of obscurity. In the desert season, there is, this is a season where you become and you become very aware of the fact that you are a nobody. You are not a special snowflake. You and of yourself are a nobody. Do you understand that? Let me, go back to, let me go back to Moses. Moses went to the greatest university on the planet. Do you know that, that Egypt had a university? Well, how do you think they passed on hieroglyphics and stuff? And general war strategies and all these things. Moses was the man, dude. He was the man. In fact, let's use our brains for a minute. Pharaoh had no children, no boys. And Pharaoh's daughter adopted him. That could say that Moses was actually going to be the next Pharaoh. Did you know that? I never thought of that this week. You're smarter than I am. I was like, wow. Fast forward to the desert, Mike. Moses the man, right? How long in the desert do you think Moses believed he was the man? Tending someone else's sheep in a place with no life. The first thing about a desert is it's the school of obscurity. I'm not putting you down. I'm saying this is one of the 
purposes of the desert is to get you to understand who you are and who you're not. And this is a beautiful part of it. But one of the characteristics of that is this. The, the wilderness season will take any illusions that you're somebody special and tear it down. Absolutely. Uh, let me skip past that. Even if it's not pride per se that we're, we're talking about in this desert, it could be simply realizing that we're human and we're not immune to suffering. Because that's what it was for me. It wasn't that I thought I was somebody special. It, it's that I just thought I'm immune to this. I'm not going to suffer like everybody else. You see what I'm trying to say? It wasn't I was cocky. I knew he was God and I wasn't. And there was no, you know what I mean? It wasn't necessarily pride, but it was the ignorance that I would escape suffering. Is that, is that good? Do we understand that? How many times you've been sitting there in the hospital room or something like that and you have that realization like, you have that realization like, oh my gosh, it's me sitting here, right? It's always been everybody else. I'm not immune to this, to this experience, this part of the human existence. And that's called humility, that I'm just like everyone else, that I might as well be in Mexico right now or Texas or Florida. I'm not immune to it. I live on this planet. And that's where we need, that, that, that's, a, that's a characteristic of the desert. I don't want to get ahead of here. The desert will definitely teach you that without God, you're nobody. Notice what I just said. Without God, you're nobody. Number two, the second major of this university of God's wilderness is this, a major in time. There are no microwaves in God's kingdoms, guy, kingdom, guys. We learn to step off the fast track in the desert. The now, 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 now. Give it to me yesterday. I wanted it now. And we learn that it becomes when you will it to be so, Father, that track. And I'll tell you what, guys. You ever downshift in a car or on a motorcycle way too fast? I did it the other day and I almost went right over the handlebars. I, for some reason, clicked a couple too many times. Whoa, whoa. That's what it's like when you end up in the kingdom and realize you can do nothing to speed this up. So chill out. The train's coming, but it matters what, you can't change that. You ready for this, Mike? In England, when I lived in England, we trained everywhere. And the reason they're in a lot better shape than we are, you know how we got, we got the stigma of fat Americans? They walk everywhere. I walked a mile and a half to the train station each way twice a day. <laughs> I mean, I don't do that now. Of course I was burning more calories. But you'd walk to the train station, and guess what? I had no control when the train was coming. None. My bad attitude, my good attitude, my yelling, my screaming, my... But I could choose what I did while I waited, couldn't I? That's good, Dustin, isn't it? Part of, part of the desert season is this. You'll realize you cannot make the train come. This is God's timing. So you learn to slow down, get off the microwave, and look to God and say, when you will it so, that's when it will be. And we get in line with him. I know, guys, these seasons always seem to last longer than you'd want them to. That's the characteristic, second one. Waiting for a spouse, working that job, trying these meds this time, whatever it may be, the season goes on and on and on. But in the desert, we learn to see time differently, to respect it and to turn it over to the one who controls it. And we say, time is yours, Father. I've heard it said there's no shortcuts in the desert season. One author says this, time is no object with a God who demands quality at all costs. That's good, right? Therefore, there's no point chafing under the discipline of the training years or wanting to take a shortcut. Inevitably, your shortcut that you try will turn out to be a cul-de-sac and you'll come right back around. As Joyce Meyer says, one more time, we're back around the mountain. One more time, back around the mountain. But I, you try to leap out of it and guess what? You cannot do that. This is my divine season for your life. It's the desert. And God, every day, we all buck and kick and snort and look around and try to jump out. God's simply saying this, do you trust me today? Guys, don't, okay. 
I got excited. Somebody said ages ago, I heard it, and every day God is saying to you in a different way, do you trust me? Do you trust me with this addiction? Do you trust me with this sickness? Do you trust me with your short-temperedness? Do you trust me with this spouse who's just not acting the way he should? Do you trust me with this medical report? Do you trust me with the news? Do you trust me with this president? Do you trust me with, every day God is asking you a million different ways, do you trust me? And that's the desert season. That's the main part of desert season. And it's tough and it's hard and I don't like this season. And when will there be good days again? This is what it is, guys. This is what it is. It's not easy, but nothing of value is ever easy. Have you noticed that? Man, we've been fed lies in this culture. Nothing of value is ever easy. I got this on leadership. I'll give you something. I told you I felt called into leadership long before I stepped into it. And here's, here's the thing. Um, time, 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 time. Jim Ferreter set me straight. He said this. He says, any sort of leadership, and, and I mean, we're talking, you know, secular leadership too. Any sort of leadership is this. Leadership is not prestigious. You might get paid more in that office sitting in the corner, but managing people is difficult. And so here's the thing. You know what leadership is? Leadership is the people walking to the construction site, the ones carrying the heavier tools. I've told you this before. And you know what that did for me? Set me free. I stopped pursuing leadership. I said, nope. And I stopped doing now, now, God, I feel called to preach. I feel called to blah, blah, blah. And I just said, in your timing. And it was years later, years later. I'm so glad I didn't sit there just spinning wheels. And, God, when, God, blah, blah. Like I finally understood it, got in line, and actually enjoyed those years. So anybody who's looking for a calling, a destiny, chill out. It's the desert. Your clocks don't work the same. They just don't. The third major is a major in solitude. The desert is a lonely place. When you get here, don't despair. This is part of it, okay? The desert is a lonely place. Brenda and Steph have shared that in different ways, both. Remember this summer? Walking through what you went through. You both felt alone. I'm the only one that. Nobody else is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now the picture is becoming more clear because you're going, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> right, you just might be in a desert and that's okay. We're gonna get to that at the end of it. It, it, you're not abandoned. You're just in the desert. Do you understand? The desert is a lonely place. Lots of times, I know in my story, I was quite literally alone. Like, I went to another country, and I had a friend or two, and I lived my life by myself. I, I get that. But you, you, you might actually just feel like, no one understands. No one else has been through this. Nobody has the same pain I do. Why am I the only one suffering? I'm suffering by myself. Everyone seems to be happy in their marriage. Everyone else is married. Everyone else is starting families. I feel so alone. Everybody else has a good job. Nobody hurts like I do. That's the desert. The desert is a place of loneliness. Jesus by himself, David with the sheep, Moses with just his little family, and Joseph pretty much on his own. The desert is a lonely place. The, okay? The final major, yeah, yeah, the final major in God's wilderness university is discomfort. These seasons always hurt, and you would not prefer them, and you would not choose them. That's just the way it is. Uncomfortable and full of pain. So why am I doing this? Well, for one, knowing where we are is, is very important. The enemy is going to tell you in the wilderness that you're lost. You don't know where you are. This is a mistake. It's never going to end. How did I get here? I remember sitting... I hate telling incriminating stories and embarrassing stories, but I suppose if they help you. I remember sitting on my... Uh, I lived pretty much in a Mexican ghetto in Colorado. We didn't realize it was a Mexican ghetto until we moved in. And my girlfriend's father-in-law was a maximum security, well, super max guard. And he recognized some of the people walking around. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just, I'm going to give you a 12 gauge. Do you know how to use that? I'm going to leave that with you. He did. And I put a steel thing like underneath my door. As soon as we, 
this was my desert season. God literally moved me out there to desert season. I thought I was going out for something different and I just lost everything. I lost, I broke up the band. I didn't get my master's in leadership. I was gonna become an RD. I went out to Colorado and I lost my five-year girlfriend. Like it all fell apart. I had no money, no job, no family, no friends, nothing, just boom. And I remember sitting on my countertop sobbing like a child going, I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) You laugh, thank you, I appreciate that. (laughs) I was trying to like, I was trying to rationalize it and why did this happen and all this sort of stuff. And the thing is this guys, it's, I was not lost. I was in a season of purpose. And if someone like myself had walked over and said, hey, 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 I know it seems really hard right now, but listen, God works all things for good to those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Does God love you? Yeah. Are you called according to his purpose? Yeah. Then this has got to be for your good. It doesn't feel good. Feel and reality are not related. Feel and reality are not related. In fact, they're enemies. I don't feel like exercising. I don't feel like being nice to people. I don't feel like going to work. How I feel will not get me where I want to be. The heart is wicked above all things, right? It's true. It doesn't feel good. It's just a season. I wish someone had told me that when I was waiting for a wife or a career or to start a family with the losses we took. Let me tell you something. I don't want to give that away, but I remember the losses we had because we had, we, we, I mean, we had two pregnancies that we lost, one of which was twins. And if someone had said to me, listen, 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 it's going to be all right. You wait till you meet that Hurricane Alex. You wait till you meet Izzy and feel her hugs and her kisses. And love you, Daddy. Love you, too. All that pain's going to go away in the desert season, AJ. That would have been a real comfort to me at the time, right? That's what I'm telling you today, guys. He's no respecter of man. Joseph, David, wherever your desert season is, guys, it's going to be okay because we serve a great God. I've said this before. And I don't know, God must, I don't know, sometimes I get up here and I'm bolder than I think I'm going to be. But what's the worst that can happen? You die? Ooh, you're going to wake up face to face face with Yeshua, knowing things you never could comprehend, exploring all 10 or 11 dimensions, one and with oneness with God that we've served and worshipped from afar, with a higher plateau of relationship than you've ever understood, ever understood. Well, are we going to be married in heaven? It doesn't matter if you're married in heaven. Because marriage is nothing compared to the oneness we're going to have when you strip away all the stuff and it's really us. So really? That's your worst case scenario, believer? Really? Do you see what I'm saying? And if you don't think Jesus knew this, you're out of your mind. Jesus constantly walked in that desert place, didn't he? Eyes on the prize. He understood the season. He obviously understood that it's just a desert. It leads somewhere. It leads somewhere, guys. We got to make Jesus the Lord of our desert too, guys. We make him the Lord of our lives, keep him the Lord of the desert. And why the desert? Because God's interested in our hearts. This is not religion. You notice that? Because people who want religion won't make it through the desert at all. They bail the first sign it gets hot. Boy, the the sandals come off, they touch that burning sand, they're out. Go find something else that feeds my fancy, right? Try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that. Or change my theology to fit what I want it to say and all this. The desert is no place for religion. It doesn't survive. God is interested in our hearts, and this is why. This is why the desert. So let's talk about this for a second. He wants the very core of our being who we are, right? When he gets a hold of us, and we turn to him and become adopted, we get in the, he gets in the process of wanting our hearts. And here's the thing, guys, and you all know this. He finds resistant layers. 
No matter when he adopts you, he will find resistant layers between you and him. And here's what happens. Some hard exterior barriers are there, right? He needs to renovate our souls. So the first layer he finds with everybody is pride. And we all have it. Moses, Joseph, I'm sure Paul. I, I do not believe Jesus had it, obviously. But what does God do to make us realize that the only special thing about us is whose we are? He uses obscurity, which is the first thing, right? He uses obscurity to let you know that pride has no place here. I'm me, you're not. Desert. And the desert, the first thing it does is it shows you who you truly are. It takes away that barrier between you and him called pride. There's no pride in the desert. Like I said, how long was Moses, right? Then he finds us gripped by fear, dread of the past, anxiety over the present, terror over the future. And God uses the passing of time to remove this fear because that's the second major is time. It's the only way. We learn through time and through just witnessing life happen on his timetable that things are not out of control or out of hand. They're in his control and in his, his hand. That's what the desert gives us. Then he's going to find barriers of resentment and bitterness. Now, this one's tough and vitally important. If this was all I talked about today, this would be so worth it. This layer gets broken down in the desert by, what did I say? Solitude. That was the third major, remember? I'm lonely. I feel alone. Nobody, blah, 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 right? Follow me on this one. This is, this is, this is exciting. <sighs> Barriers of resentment and bitterness get broken down by solitude. By removing other voices and distractions, other outs, other coping mechanisms, we're left with what? It's just you and me here now. There's a reason I picked that song today. Only you and me here now. The desert teaches us resentment and bitterness have no place. We get a fresh perspective. That's when we release our rights and what we think we should have. All that stuff, right? How you think it should have been? How she should treat me? How this whole thing should have gone? That's when we release it in solitude. When it's just you and me here now, and it's, it's Abba Father, and all other voices are gone, and even my own voice shuts up, and he makes me realize I don't deserve all this thrashing, all this, well, God, you, that layer of bitterness and resentment fades away when you see Jesus. And that can only happen face to face, and it can only happen in a lonely place. Starting to make sense? Wow, you're a good, good father. Wow, the desert place actually sounds like a very vital, good thing for us. We release our rights over to God. We realize the glory of his presence. We have nothing to be resentful about or bitter. That the very breaths we take are gifts from a loving father. And we are not to put a finger in God's chest and accuse him of not doing his job. Now, this is tough, and I've, I've had compassion up here during that about giving messages about letting God out of prison. I get that. I know. But the wilderness is a place where God works that out. And some of you, if you think of it, listen, follow me. We're in the fourth quarter. We're almost done, okay? Just follow me on this. Think about your, one of your greater desert seasons. Think about it. Get it in your mind. Did you not wrestle through that question finally? God, why is this happening to me? Why am I here? Come on. Can we be honest for a second? Right, the desert gets you to that place. It gets you to that place. Well, why not me? Why not me? I'm another, another pregnant friend. What the hell, God? Another married friend. Come on, right? The desert breaks us where we get to that place and we finally lose our couth and we say, you're not doing your job and we wrestle with God. And what does he do? He breaks your hip, doesn't he? It's not, a, it's not coincidence in the Bible. As long as you get to that place where you can just pull open your chest and, you know, 
I want to say like Unibeam him. You know what I mean? Like pour it out. God, ugh, you're not doing your job. This is not the marriage I signed up for. Why can't my kids this? And ugh, and that's when the wrestling match happens. And it always you always come out of that in the desert season. That's where it happens. And you know what happens at the end of that wrestling match? You release your I should, I deserve, and I you release it and say, you know what? I deserve what you decide to give me. You've given me grace. You've given me Jesus. Here, I give it to you. All the stuff I wanted, all the stuff I thought I should have had. And the desert is the place of miracles where we release that. It's a beautiful thing where we wrestled with it, with cancer, infertility, singleness, mourning, whatever it may be. We wrestled with the, where were you, God? And finally, when we get the courage to voice him and wrestle, that's when we walk through this season. And discomforts and pains come to buff away the last layers of resistance because God is the God of intimacy and he's after our hearts. And this is not popular, but I'm not here to lie to you. You've all been in the deserts and some of us are still hanging on to the bitterness and resentments from it. Don't do it. Let it go. Let it go. It was always for your good. It was always for your good. Our, yeah. Now, there's a few reactions when we talk about suffering, about the desert seasons of our lives. Number one is, I don't need it. This person needs it. My mom needs it. My, my husband needs it. I don't need it. And that's pride. <laughs> go figure. Second, I'm tired of this. I've been here so long, I can't even remember green grass, comfort, and joy. And, um, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but if that's the reaction to a talk about deserts... Uh, in the actual scope of things, that's short-sightedness. Only God knows the full picture, sees the beginning from the end. And if you're telling him, that's enough, I'm done, I'm cooked, I'm done, you're in the oven, man. You're not the one checking the timer. You know what I'm saying? I just came up with that. That was all right. <laughs> okay, so reality check. Oh, the third one would be this, and this is what I would recommend as we're getting ready to close. The third posture we can have when we come to a realization that des life is full of deserts and the Christian walk is runs right through a desert is this. I accept this, Lord. I accept this from you. You're good. You're not going to give me anything that's not good. All suffering has to pass through the hands of a sovereign God. And that, that'll challenge you. It should challenge you. Okay. Some walk away from God in the desert. The very tool God was using to get you to a place where you will truly know him, they'll walk away. And they, uh, yeah, yeah, let me just, let me just do this. Do you know that, um, this is a little interesting nerdy thing. Uh, this will be for Mike. Ready, Mike? The Hebrew word for desert is midbar. It's from the, the root word dabar, which means to speak. In other words, it's the place where God speaks. And, and right? And we don't want it, but it's even in the words. It's like the desert is where God speaks to us. So don't let up and don't quit, guys. Don't walk away or jump out. This hardship we're facing, what you're thinking of right now, it's going to be used for you and for the good in your life and God's glory. If you let it, if you let it, in his time, in his way, don't try to run out of the desert. Just reach for the hand of one who promises it's all under control. That's what you do. You cooperate like Moses did. 40 years in the desert to learn how to lead others in desert wandering. Joseph, second in command. Paul, David, don't quit because it hurts and don't get discouraged because it's a season. I want to say this one last time. It's just a season, okay? The page will always turn. That's the, way, that's the nature of life. Every day is moving farther away from the past. That's life. And the last thing I want to say is this. That's the difference between a follower and a believer. Jesus is not looking for fans who will sit on the sidelines and hold up a sign. Go, Jesus. He says, you got to follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. 
But Jesus, what if it goes through a desert? Jesus went through the worst desert of all for you. This isn't laying guilt on you. I'm letting you know you're in good company. He was alone as no man has ever been alone. Ilahi, ilahi, lama sabatani is what he said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You've never been forsaken by God. Did you know that? Because you would not exist if you had. He's keeping the cells dividing in your body right now. You've, you don't know what it's like to be forsaken by God. I don't care how far you ran from him. Uh-uh, not, not even a millisecond. Jesus was alone more than anyone else. He was rejected. He lived in obscurity. He suffered worse. The worst earth and hell could ever throw at him. He suffered him. He walked through the desert first. He felt its heat. He tasted its loneliness. And he accepted its obscurity. He faced down Satan himself while the desert winds howled around him. And he will never, ever forget or forsake the one who follows him across the burning sand. Okay? Hang in there. It's just a season. God's under control. God's got it. He's got it. And when it's time, he'll bring it to a close. Let's sing, I Still Believe. If you have some courage today, lift up your voice about this. No matter what desert season you've been through, if you can choose to say, I still believe, I believe that's the correct posture.